Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the, to the book of Daniel. We'll find ourselves in chapter 3 this morning. Daniel in chapter 3. The center of our focus will really be from verse 13 of chapter 3 through to the end. But I want to begin by reading from verse 8 all the way through for uh, context. Daniel chapter 3 from verse 8. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the harp, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then the Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abadnego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach and Abadnego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abadnego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks and tunics and their hats and their other garments, 
and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, the furnace was overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And their appearance of the fourth is like the son of God's. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach and Abadnego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach and Abadnego came out from the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw the fire had not had any power over their bodies, over the bodies of these men. The hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. The Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Thanks be to God. Father, I pray that we would glean much from your word this evening. I pray that the words that I proclaim to your people would be doused, would be dripped in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that he might draw them and draw us all to himself. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me start by saying, you know, Continually pronouncing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was very difficult. And I wanted to reduce it to, so I'll just call them SMA, but that's a, a children's uh, uh, um, 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 formula. So that would be a bit weird. What a scripture passage. How gripping. I want to start by, you know, as Pastor Ryan so powerfully proclaimed this morning about the system and the way in which things are now, we see that there's not much stark difference to how things were then. 
I mean, Pastor Ryan began by talking about how the, the, the mayor is, has been continually petitioning to the government to close places of worship. Even now we see as uh, 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 leadership is transitioning from one leader to another in different parts of the world, not just in the United States. There's elections taking place across the globe. I want us to know that though leaders may come and go, God remains. Though circumstances change, God remains. Though we get old, we get sick, we struggle, God remains. Tonight, by God's grace, we gather to rejoice in God's unlimited power and goodness while reminding ourselves that our faith glorifies his name. Our faith in God glorifies his name. A couple of days ago, myself and uh, my wife, we had sat down to uh, uh, have a, a reflection on what 2020 had been. I mean, we had initially planned to do this earlier, but what with the difficulty of the last week and the week before, uh, we had to push it back inadvertently. And as we sat and uh, asked ourselves both the same question, what were the good things that happened last year? What were the bad things that happened last year? I really struggled. I really struggled to find anything apart from the birth of my son that was a real peak from last year. I mean, personally, 2020 was a very, very difficult year for me. And I, uh, it caused me to remember the, the, the major uh, crises of uh, uh, being hospitalized in July. That was a very difficult time for me personally. I'd never been to hospital before, definitely not for that length of time. And as, as I thought about that, and I remember the initial days and times of uh, I called my mom, I, you know, even went to have a, have a brief moan on social media. But, but I was very down. I thought about my mum, even now, as we enter in 2021. But as I fixated on 2020 and the different difficulties, many of which were of my own doing, but Definitely in terms of my illness, I saw a very major crisis in my life. But I remember also how God's people rallied around me. I remember times as I, as I wept in the middle of the night, alone in my room, uh, um, as nurses and health uh, health uh, staff came in and out just to take measurements, take, continually take readings. I thought to myself, where is my faith? I asked myself that question. Why am I sitting here in the darkness, weeping, wondering what is going to happen to my health? Where's my faith? 
God came through. I'm going to explain more within the text, but God drew me out of the doldrums of of uh, 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 negative thinking, of wallowing in self-pity and self-guilt. How? By his word. Sometimes God delivers his people out of their trials. And I caveat that sometimes, because all of it is according to his will. After... July, up until this time, I'm standing here proclaiming God's word to you. A sheer indication of, of, of the Lord's mercy and grace towards me. We praise the Lord for his graciousness, for his healing touch that took burdens away from me and my family. But even more importantly, I learnt as I come to tell you today that God sustains us throughout our suffering regardless of the outcome. Even now, my family goes through a trial that I really, really felt the prayers of God's faithful people, but we go through trials that we don't know the outcome. But we know and I have seen that he has been ever present in every single step. He's not only present when his people are hurting. He's present at every step. We're going to look in the Bible this, this evening at uh, 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 these men, Hanani, uh, uh, Mishael and Azariah. That's the names that their parents gave them. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as we have come to see them this evening, grew in their own commitment to Yahweh, despite the harsh surroundings. So after Daniel had interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2, these men oversaw Babylonian affairs under the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Babylonian names given to them by the Babylonian leader who was very intuitive of what it meant to destroy a culture, take their best of their best. And once you have transformed the best of their best, taken away the things that made them who they are, given them new names, there you can start to build a foundation of turning a people to godlessness. But these men and their unwavering resolve taught us and continue to teach us that our God is always with us and he glorifies in our faith. I want us to learn three things this evening. I want us to learn that one, God's people have faith that he is all-powerful, sovereign and good. God's people have faith that he is all-powerful, sovereign, and good. Secondly, God's presence is with his people at their time of need. God's presence is with his people at their time of need. And God's glory is made known through his people.
God is all-powerful, sovereign and good. God's people know him and feel his presence at our greatest need. And God's glory is made known through the faith of his people. We read here in, uh, from verse 13, as we'll be focusing our attention, that uh, life in Babylon had become difficult for God's exiles. In that land, this narcissistic king, Nebuchadnezzar, had erected a pagan statue of his unrivaled authority, of his greatness, and it served as a test to all those surrounding of their loyalty towards him. Essentially, as Pastor Ryan said this morning, an ungodly system was erected and people were not just encouraged to partake in it, but failure to do so was punishable by death. Either you bow down or you burn. But obviously no committed, dedicated follower of Yahweh could ever obey this idolatrous edict, regardless of its cost. It wasn't then, in Daniel's time, and it won't be now, in our time. To obey any command from any man to forsake the Lord God is something that we must never even entertain. So when systems say today, you must not gather for worship. And the word of God says, and let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, encouraging us together. We've got a question that we need to ask ourselves. Is it right To follow man, or is it right to follow God? What we learn from these men is that their fierce trust in the strength and the character of God sailed through. Their fierce trust in the strength and the character of God sailed through. Doubting God's strength and character is the root of every single temptation to sin that clings to our lives. Every disobedient shortcut reveals our lack of assurance that the Lord can and will do what he promises. As I reflected on ways in which I had had, had turned my eyes away from what God had called me to do and its foundation was me turning my eyes away from God's strength and character. Telling myself, well, if God God tarries, I better do this myself in my own way, in my own understanding. And ultimately, that led me to a path that I dare not go down. This heart of disobedience finds its root in the Garden of Eden. In the opening verses of Genesis uh, chapter 3, Satan questioned the motive behind God's one food restriction. 
He dismissed the creator's power to enforce his law. And because Adam and Eve lost confidence, they lost confidence in God's goodness and authority. They succumbed to the serpent's seduction and to his lies. And our transgressions follow a similar pattern. You see, on the other hand, when we understand and believe that God is powerful and good, we find the courage to trust in him despite life's burdens, distractions and enticements. We're challenged to follow the lead of the word of God as opposed to the culture. We reject the ideals of the culture in which we live, which will result in ridicule and shame. But we reject it nonetheless because we're trusting in the power of God. When it's considered a taboo to share the gospel in hospitals, in places of work, God's people find ways and means of doing exactly that because we would seek to honor God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the image of their king. And it communicated their profound faith in God's sovereignty, goodness, and strength. Though these men knew that God could deliver them if he chose to, they were convicted that whether he did or not, they would stay true to their master. Foundational to their profound display of faith was the conviction that God is always working for our good. Even when it's not obvious to us right now. It really hasn't been obvious. When, when, when I gather with uh, my family, uh, um, every 7.30 uh, this week, uh, last week and these coming weeks, we gather to pray. You know, we'll be there on Zoom. I'd have my, my wife and my sons beside me and my dad would be on there. My sister and her husband and her children will be there. I'll have family members in Nigeria tuning in for us to sing gospel songs, for us to sing some of the songs that my mum taught me and my sister when we were children. We'd open the scriptures and read and we'd pray. My dad who back in the days when my mom used to gather me and my sister to, to pray and continually read the, the Sunday Missile from, from the church, my dad who used to just look and, oh, these guys are wasting their time. He's the one leading this now. We might look and say, yeah, you know, mom's still in hospital. And I don't want her to be in hospital. But this week, in my 37 years of existence, was the first time that me and my family across the globe gathered all together to pray. Brothers and sisters, affirming the words that God is powerful, sovereign and good 
It's not difficult. It's not difficult to say that. Many people would agree with you. God is all powerful and good. But living according to this belief is what is often challenging. Knowing God has a perfect plan will not necessarily lessen the pain or frustration that we feel. When hardships come to interrupt the rhythms of our life, those things will still come. The question at hand is not whether these incidents will arise, but how will we respond to them? Earlier in the week I gave, um, at work, I gave a little presentation along with someone else about uh, 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 criminal record checks and DBS checks. And because some of the people that I work with in Welfare to Work are people who have been uh, convicted, you know, the people who have, you know, maybe, maybe been in prison, maybe not. But they're people who are seeking to work. They've committed a crime in the past that I most times don't know of until I talk to them about it. But they're seeking to work. But a lot of them are discouraged because they, 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 they'll come to employers that look and say, oh, you know what, this crime means that you can't do this, that, and the other. And which is true. People who have committed violent crimes forget about working in a school, forget about working with vulnerable people, it's not gonna happen. People who have committed crimes that involve theft and money, really you forget about working in areas where you have to do cash handling. It's not really gonna happen. But one thing I was telling them is that though you cannot control the response that an employer gives when they see your DBS or your CRB, what you can control is your response to that response. You can control how you deal with the things that impact you in your life. And if someone I'm speaking to can, can, can understand that, I ought to be able to understand that. Though I cannot control the circumstances that hit me every single day, I can control my response to them. Why, how? By trusting in the character and goodness of God. Knowing that when he says, I will work all things to your good, when a trial comes, I know that this is not God working anything that's going to my setback or to my detriment. He's working it to my good. It's hard to, to fathom when you're in the midst of it. But ultimately, our view of God sets the tone for our hope in every crisis or strength in every temptation. When we need to take courage against the hostility of other people, when we need to take courage against people uh, chastising us for our conviction to serve and worship God. I mean, understand this, you know, this is not when, you know, I'm doing things of my own accord and I want to swim through sin and someone stands in front of me and says, no, oh, you're working something against my good. No, we're talking about being rooted in God's word, knowing what he wants us to do. And when someone challenges that, when circumstances come in the midst of that, we must hold a profound conviction that God was working all things to our good. God was working 
this for the good of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As those mighty men lifted them up to throw them into the fiery furnace. It doesn't tell us of any struggle, any fight, they offered no resistance. Genuine faith begins with a recognition and confession of the truth of God's word, of the truth of the gospel. As we who have received Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives, we don't pursue it with blind faith. We pursue every challenge, every obstacle, every uh, setback, with the commitment that we see in Revelation chapter 19, knowing that in the end, there will be a rider and he will be on a white horse and he will rule with a rod of iron. And because of that, the courage and that commitment, God's people know and can trust that God is sovereign and good. I want us to remember that God's presence is with us as the people of God at a time of our greatest need. God's presence is with his people at a time of our greatest need. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego refused to worship King Nebuchadnezzar. They refused to worship the image that he had erected which provoked his fierce wrath and anger. And after ordering the heat of the furnace to be increased sevenfold, this impulsive dictator had those three Hebrew men chucked into the burning fiery furnace. Heat was so much that even his own uh, men were died because uh, as they got too close to it, they themselves were, were, were scorched and, 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 and turned to ashes by the fire's heat. And obviously, the, according to uh, uh, nature and logic, all these men should have been burnt. The fire in Inferno should have engulfed them too. God's powerful, powerful hand was with them. God powerfully brought these men out of their plight. You see, when the Lord carries us through our adversities, whether by miraculous or ordinary means, his presence with us is undeniable. The records and experiences of, of God's promises towards his people and his presence in the midst of our trials reminds us that never will we experience the coming storm of God's judgment. A clear reminder that those who are in God, nothing will separate us from his love. Because of Christ's sacrificial work on the cross, the fires of God's wrath, not, the, not the, the wrath of a dictator, the fires of God's wrath will never consume us. They won't. A powerful story, but the truth is all scenarios don't have this end. 
Somehow, sometimes God heals and preserves. Sometimes suffering remains. Not just for, for a short time, for a lifetime. Whether long or short, he may seem distant, even negligent. But yet, whether we sense his presence or not, God has said, God has promised, he will never abandon us nor forsake us. In God's omniscience, he knows whether or not relief from suffering is our greatest need. And God is committed to giving us what we need to bring us closer to him. When I was swimming through, uh, thinking that um, um, my life was wonderful in, in, in a sense that I could continue to partake in things that uh, uh, brought shame to myself and to my family, God found a way to, to, to put a pause to that. And I ought to recognize that. When a family refrains from prayer, refrains from gathering together, and I'm not talking about the, 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 those of my, my relatives in other countries. I'm talking about me. As the leader of my home, when I refrain from rallying my family in prayer, I'm in clear contradiction to uh, uh, what God himself has commanded of husbands and fathers. It's hard to think about it that way, but my mum being unwell, my mum being in hospital, could be the grand kind of thing that God uses to draw his people back to him. And that's hard to come out of my mouth and say that. The Lord's hand may not be apparent to us now, but he is always working for our good. And we understand that God will make all things new one day. This life that we're living right now is not the be-all and end-all of anything. We're here a short time. We must be asking ourselves, you must be asking yourself, how has God's presence changed your outlook on the trials that you have faced? Even when the circumstances have remained. Only God knows the circumstances that you are going through right now. But how has God's presence changed your outlook on those trials? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Before the Lord delivered these men out of the fire, he chose to be with them in the fire. God does not always remove us from our troubles, but he remains active in them nonetheless. He refuses to forsake us when the path of difficulty is his chosen course for our lives. And the beautiful thing is that had these three men remained in the fire to perish, God would have stayed with them until the end. Our Saviour will minister to us while the world around us is falling apart. Not only does he bear our burdens for us, he also promises that no tribulation or trial will separate us from his love. He gives us the peace that surpasses understanding when we call out to him in prayer. When the pain is so deep that we cannot express it with words, the Holy Spirit offers groanings to the Father on our behalf. He intercedes for us according to the will of God. We're never defenseless to the changing circumstances of a fallen and sinful world. Something that Pastor Ryan always says, we have been uh, uh, removed from the power of sin, but we still remain in the presence of sin. As we recognize that, we're going to realize that, that, that the evil one is continually going to attack us and seek in these last days to take our eyes away from Jesus. But like here, as we see Shadrach and Mishrach and Abadnego, they were joined by a fourth person. A fourth person who had the appearance of a divine being, like the son of gods. And this was either a, a Christophany, a physical appearance of Christ before his incarnation, or, or, or an angel, whatever you may think. We know that God was with them in the midst of that fiery furnace. And by logical conclusion, we know that all God's people, when we are in the fiery furnace, God is with us too. This physical appearance of this fourth individual is a demonstration of God's presence with us. The Lord promised his presence and he will keep his promise. Even when the trials and difficulties come. What a great encouragement. Thirdly and finally, God's glory is made known through the faith of his people. God's glory is made known through the faith of his people. When Nebuchadnezzar observed this miraculous uh, result, where these three men who had been 
ironclad in their commitment to Yahweh, even unto death. Where these three men were saved in this miraculous way, he could not even deny the majestic power and the beauty of the true God. He starts speaking wildly. He decreed and gave testimony to the strength of Israel's God, even though the Babylonian king himself remained thoroughly pagan. Uh, this incident and this, this situation reminds us and underscores the profound witness that the faith of God's people have on a watching world. Brothers and sisters, they are watching us. They are watching us continually. Whether we like to admit it or whether we know it, a watching world is watching our response to these trials and circumstances that they themselves are going through. In Matthew 5, Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount and he not only defined the nature of good works for God's perspective, he also revealed an end goal to our obedience that unbelievers would see good works and glorify our Father in heaven. That's ultimately our call. That people who do not know God would see our good works and rather than glorify us for those good works, they'll glorify God. So there must be something to the nature of what we are doing that defines it as more than just being strong in difficult times, having a, a stiff upper lip. The signs that, you know, keep calm and carry on, all those, all those sorts of things that say, you know what, just, just, just press on. It's not less than that, but it's so much more. Every trial we face is a battleground for us proving that our Saviour is glorious, both because of what he has done and because of who he is. Yeah, just like this... <laughs> There was a point at which, um, you know, we were invited by the hospital to uh, download uh, a software uh, called uh, uh, Blue Jeans. And it must be the software that the hospital uses. And we were, we, we, we were told that, you know, from there that we'll be able to see my mom in the hospital bed. I didn't want to watch it, you know. Uh, I was saying, oh, Noma, you, you, you watch that. Um, I can't, you know, I can't see my mum like that. And I would have missed it, but because I was working at the time, it was about 11, 11.30 in the morning. And I was working at the time, obviously working from home, so I'm at my laptop, and then something pings to say that, you know, um, an alarm is set, because I did set an alarm for it. So the alarm comes up, but I try, I try to disregard it. But then the nature, something about my work gets prolonged, so I, I have time to tune in. So I've got no excuse. I can't just twiddle my thumbs and listen to Noma, who is in the living room, 
in this call, uh, I might as well join in as well. Um, so I join in and um, see the doctors and see my mum lying on, on, on the bed. Um, it's hard to see, you know. Um, yeah, but my family's there and they're singing. They're singing and, 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 and they're, they're thanking the staff. And I'm like, what am I doing? How could I have missed this? You know, staff members, I don't know whether they know Christ or not. But an opportunity to thank them for their uh, uh, courage and their work during a difficult time, but to sing about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, how do you turn down an opportunity like that? God reminded me that, you know, faith is not just, you know, standing here and holding the Bible and proclaiming it. Faith is not just in, being in, the, in my room, reading the scriptures. Faith is lived. Faith is proclaimed that a watching world, it, it, its end purpose is that a watching world might see our good works and give glory to Father in heaven. Faithfulness to the Lord in the midst of struggle boldly declares that our relationship with Christ is a treasure. No earthly frustration, even the threat of death should dismantle our belief that Christ is the only reward that we need. The salvation of these men, Shadrach, Meshach and Abadnego further amplified the worship of the true God. And in their day, Gentiles, the prefects, the satraps, and all the, 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 the men who were uh, uh, serving the king, people of every nation, because obviously the Babylonians had conquered many nations, People across the globe, as they understood it, saw how, the God had, how God had delivered these men from the fiery furnace. And they heard this decree, wildly proclaimed by King Nebuchadnezzar. They heard. Who knows how many people would have turned to Yahweh at that point? Who knows what the overspill of that one decree did for the centuries that were to come. We don't know, but God does. Because it's to him that all the glory belongs. Whether we see the outcome or not, the book of Revelation tells us and pictures for us that one day nations from every tribe, every tongue will gather around the eternal throne of Jesus and take great joy in glorifying God's sacrificial lamb. Every nation. 
So when I'm at my workplace and I'm thinking, oh, do I really proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ to my Muslim friend? Every nation will be gathered. Annie stepped out of the room, but as she serves in a, in, 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 in a context of, of, of Judaism, every nation, as we serve on this high street, on, on this street and along the high street, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to the local residents from every tribe and nation, we must remind ourselves that every nation will gather around the eternal throne of Jesus and take great joy in glorifying God's sacrificial lamb for the salvation that he provided through the cross. Just as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego prospered by trusting in God's provision, so too all believers who gather with their saviour in the new Jerusalem having been saved from the fire of his judgment. One day, our faith will be fully rewarded. The Lord Jesus Christ will come again. And as he promised, we will be carried up just as he went up. And in his father's house, where there are many rooms, we will have a place there. And whether there will be an alarm that tells us when we are to gather, or whether we'll be doing that continually, moment after moment, we will give glory to the Lamb who was slain. Our joy will be made true and will be made perfect as we lift our Saviour up. Even those who, who reject our gospel cannot deny its impact when a person truly passes from death to life. The conversations that I had following this morning's service tells me that as someone is passing from death to life, the world is seeing, they're being impacted by it. I remember as, um, you know, we, we, we continued in the, uh, I thank God that we're going to be continuing the evening service and bringing it back. And I recall how the evening service was, ha, had a very much a, an evangelistic uh, uh, um, tone to it simply because we would uh, uh, there would be more guests tend to come in the evening service than in the morning service so I tended to you know as I'm preparing to preach to structure the message in a uh, and I, it doesn't even sound right because all messages should be evangelistic in their nature but to say that to make an outward proclamation and, and a call to repentance and uh, to call to Jesus Christ but the evangelistic message isn't just for them out there, but it's for us too. A reminder that 
as Jesus is glorified in our own life, our own hearts, as we are turning ourselves from our old passions, our old desires, and taking on the new flesh that he has given us, we too are being transformed. I want to leave you with some questions. Uh, I spoke with Ryan uh, um, earlier in the year, and it was my desire that before the end of the year, I would love and I desire to spend time one-on-one -on -one with every single person who is either a member or even attends the church uh, uh, um, sparingly. I want to spend time and, and speak with people, as we all do anyway. But to continue to ask ourselves questions. One, what are some ways our faith in Jesus Christ can result in the praise to God among the nations? Are we willing to share the gospel riskily with others that they might believe in Jesus Christ? be asking ourselves questions as to how we can take what we are hearing, what we believe, to a watching world. The salvation of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego vividly illustrates God's presence with us as we endure life's trials. The Lord is not distant to or callous to our pain. He comforts us, he sustains us, and he guides us through the worst possible scenarios. And as the world becomes increasingly wicked, we must be willing to face the consequences of holy living without hesitation. We're facing it with courage. Psalm 27.1 tells us, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? May we with courage and boldness continually know and believe that the Lord is strong. The Lord is courageous. And his courage and boldness is infused in us through the Holy Spirit, that when we are at our greatest need, we know he is present with us continually. And by our faith to a watching world, we might give him the glory that is due his name. Let's pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, I'm always uh, kind of crippled by, by, by the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when, when he asks, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on earth? Will the Lord Jesus find faith in me? Where, 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 when it's difficult to do so, when all around me is telling me to look away from him, will he find the faith that he is worthy of in me? 
Father, I pray, Lord, that I may not limp between two different sides, but I might be firm in my conviction that the Lord Jesus Christ has been given a name that is above every other name, that at the mention of it, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. I pray, Lord, for your people this evening. I pray, Father, that uh, what, what faith you have given us, that you might stir it up among us. I pray for all those who are listening, who are watching. Whatever circumstances they themselves may be going through, might you remind them this evening that you are with them and you will never forsake us. Thank you, Father, for this, this Lord's Day Sunday. And I pray, Lord, that everything we have learnt might be an outpouring to a watching world this week and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.